Well, it's finally here. This is Christmas week, if that can be even imagined. How fast the time has gone, how quickly the year has gone. Here we are at Christmas, and all of us here from the Board of Elders, the church staff, we all wish you a very Merry Christmas. We pray that it will be safe, and I pray that it will be filled with making memories, lifetime memories with those who you hold most dear in life. Today, I want to talk about Christmas again. And what I want to talk about specifically today is reclaiming peace at Christmas. You know, the Bible speaks a lot about peace, and Christmas is all about peace. In fact, at night when Jesus was born out in the fields where shepherds were watching their sheep at night, Luke 2 Verses 13 and 14 record, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, what? Peace to men on whose favor he, it lasts. That, but this was just a fulfillment of what had been predicted and prophesied hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born. For back in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, the Old Testament manuscript, the prophet by which the book bears his name, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 prophesying about the coming of Jesus said this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I love what the psalmist said. David said in Psalm 29, 11, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. You know, we could go on and on and on this morning talking about peace because the Bible mentions peace some 250 times in 229 separate parts and divisions of the Bible. God says, peace be on you. God's peace came in that baby in Bethlehem. But I know we might ask the question, but what happened to this promised peace? Because our world sure is not characterized by peace, is it? I mean, we have international chaos with terrorism seems like it's kicking up its heels again. We have economic uh, troubles around the world. and We have social distress here in our own country. And all these things kind of just bombarding us now. We, where is this peace? Well, write this down. It's not on your notes, but, but make a note of this. Peace is internal. Peace is internal. See, but the problem is... We keep looking for peace in the external. We keep looking for peace, for political peace, some political person or party to come and bring peace to the world. We, we keep looking for, for some great economist to bring financial peace to our lives or some windfall of money that we'll get. We, we keep looking for, for some leader to get us out of this social chaos that we're in. We keep looking outside for something that we can grab onto that will yield peace in our lives. But see, peace comes from the inside out. Peace comes from the inside out. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ, what? Rule where? In your hearts. See, God inspired the apostle Paul to write that. He said, let the peace of Christ, that peace that came at Christmas, he says, let it rule. I mean, it's supposed to take over us. It's supposed to control us. We should surrender to it. We should let it be our guide and our master. But where does it rule? Not up here. 
Not out there. Inside our heart. He says, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Not only does God offer us the peace of Christmas, but he says we're called to peace. We who are believers in Jesus Christ, who who receive and accept this this whole Christmas story that leads up to ultimately to Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection for our sins. That peace that God gives us should characterize our lives. Now, what I want to talk about today in reclaiming the peace of Christmas are four thieves of Christmas peace. And there are four thieves of peace, period, in our lives. But I want to talk about four things that happen, not externally. Now, there may be external circumstances that get us thinking and maybe behaving in a certain way, but these are internal things that rob us of our peace. The first thief of Christmas peace is grief. And of the ones I'm going to share with you, this one I think has more legitimacy than the other three. Grief. You know, for some, Christmas time and other holidays are a reminder of someone precious who's not here anymore. Are there a reminder of, of some, something that happened in the past that, that, that was just so traumatic that it, it wants to rob us of the peace? Maybe some of you can relate to Psalm 31.9 when David again, King David of Israel, is right. He says, be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow and my soul and my body with grief. Maybe that's where you're at as we approach Christmas 2014. He said, man, that's exactly how I feel, Pete. In my soul, deep inside me, something's broken. I don't have peace. I'm, I'm filled with sorrow and and pain, even to my body. Well, well take hope from, from what David also writes in Psalm ten fourteen. He says, but you, O God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it in hand. Let me tell you something. God is aware of your grief this morning. He, he, he's not abandoned you. And understand this about God. God, more than anything else, does not want to have a religious experience with you. He wants to have an intimate relationship with you. And that's why David could say in Psalm 10 that God sees your grief. God sees your trouble. He sees your brokenheartedness. He sees that which is robbing you of the peace that he sent Jesus Christ to bring to you, and that lives not out here anywhere, but in here. So if your Christmas is characterized this morning by carrying around a heavy burden of grief, foremost understand this, that God knows it. God sees it. He's aware of it, and he cares about it, and he cares about you. Peter, one of the original 12 disciples in his first letter in the New Testament, says this in chapter 5, verse 7. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because what? He cares for you. Do you get that? 
You know, we tend to look at God as some kind of cosmic power out there somewhere in the universe. No, he's right here. He lives right here. And Peter, who was well acquainted with grief and trials and tribulation, who ultimately was a martyr for the cause of Jesus Christ under Emperor Nero, he says, listen, take it to Jesus. See, so many people today are taking that grief, looking for some external factor to help cope with that grief. Some are turning to spending. If I just shop and shop and shop and shop, it'll numb the pain. Some think it's in some relationship. If, just, if I can just have this relationship with that guy, with that, with that girl, th- then my life is going to be better. Some turn to even more self-destructive ways. Excessive drinking, drugs, sex, pornography. See, we're, we're looking out there. and So many people are, are just grasping for something to kill the pain that's inside. Well, listen, the only thing that can kill the pain inside is the peace of God that comes from the inside, and then it will begin to manifest itself outside. Psalm 119.28 says, My soul is weary with sorrow. Now look what it says. Strengthen me according to your word. If you're filled with grief today, let me encourage you. Scripturally do this. Read the Bible. Make sure you carve out time every day. Read the Bible. And let me encourage you, because this has worked in my life, and this helps me so much, that, that when I read the Bible, I love to go to the Psalms when I'm down, when I'm discouraged. And I love to read the Psalms. And there's some chapters, the, the, the chapters 30s and the 40s and 50s and 70s. The, those speak so dearly to me. And I just read those Psalms over and over again. And I'll read them out loud. And I'll read them back to the Lord. And, and you know what happens when he'll strengthen me with his word. And as I read them, then the Holy Spirit gets excited within me. And the Holy Spirit begins to produce that peace that the Bible says passes understanding. That peace that passes the loss of that loved one. That peace that passes the loss of your job. That peace that passes the the loss of your home, of, of your portfolio, of whatever it is. God's peace is sufficient for the day. Now, Christian mental health Counselors recommend a couple other practical things, but, but first go to God because that's where peace comes from. But this season, if you're, if you're dealing with some grief, then some Christian counselors also recommend this. Prepare. Understand that it's there. Maybe just recently you've lost a loved one. Well, well understand that, that somewhere along the line, you're probably going to experience an emotional ambush. It's probably going to happen, and it may happen multiple times. So just prepare for that and say, you know what? This is probably going to happen, and so I'm going to expect it. I'm not going to be surprised when it comes, and you'll deal better with it. Understand this. Those emotional ambush only usually last for about 20 minutes because the body and the mind can't take it for too long. And so maybe you, you get attacked. Maybe you just need to kind of go away. You're at a party. You're over someone's house saying, hey, listen, I'm just going to go to the bedroom and lie down for a minute and go in there 
and get back to the word. Read the word and just talk to God and sing some, some songs and praise back to him. Let the Holy Spirit begin to heal from within again. Prepare for others who, who may be uncomfortable around you. They know you just lost your mom. They know you just lost your dad, your husband, your wife, a child, or a very close friend. And sometimes people just don't know how to react to that. And, and so they, they kind of react by either overdoing it or underdoing it. Either they're not there or they're just, just showering you, you know, and just hovering over you. And they're talking, you know, are you okay? You know, just prepare yourself for that and then disarm them when that happens. Hey, it's okay to talk about it. I want to talk about it. I want to remember. They say socialize. You know, the, the national tendency when, when we're in grief is to hibernate. We would just want to sometimes just isolate ourselves from other people. Well, the worst thing you can do. Satan loves to isolate us. He loves to get us by ourselves because that's where he can work the hardest on our minds and our hearts. He, he wants us to, to, to be away from everybody else. Listen, you need to connect. Don't turn down those invitations to the family Christmas party or don't turn those invitations down from friends who want to get together and celebrate Christmas or New Year's or, or whatever together. Get out there. Socialize. Don't hibernate because if you hibernate, if you isolate yourself, you are opening the door for Satan to come charging through that door and just try to beat you down as far as he can possibly beat you down. Now, with that thought in mind, set boundaries, though. you got to set some boundaries. you, you, you got to go to people because, remember, they'll either underreact or overreact. And sometimes they overreact. They're thinking right now about you. They're thinking, oh, we got to keep mom busy. Oh, we got to keep dad busy. We can't let him sit, sit around and think about mom's death. And we, can't, we, we just got to keep busy and keep him going, keep him going, keep him going. Good friend of mine, uh, Willard Smith, was telling me a story. Uh, uh, he told it to me several times about a guy in the church who died, and everyone really loved him, or his wife died, rather. And so they, they really wanted to rally around him, and they scheduled all kinds of activities, and they were inviting him over and everything. And finally, the guy said to him, he says, stop. He says, I get it. I know you love me, but you're killing me with your love. You know? So you got to set boundaries and say, listen, yeah, I'm coming, I'm only coming for a certain amount of time. Or understand that I might need to, 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 to go away for 20 minutes. See, set some boundaries. And then they also say a great cure, a great way to, to help that peace foster even more with inside you is to reach out to others. Look for other people who might be going through the same circumstance. You've heard about them. You've heard they lost their parent or they lost a child or a brother or sister or a friend, a co-worker. And, and, and say, hey, let, let, let's get together. And let's all go out to dinner together. Or come on over to my house and we'll, we'll pop some popcorn and, and we'll watch one of those crazy Christmas movies. But just reach out. Second thief of Christmas peace is greed. Greed. Jesus, in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, as recorded in Luke's gospel, says this. Then he, Jesus, said to them, watch out. Jesus said, watch out, be careful. And he goes on to say, be on guard against all kinds of greed. A life's man does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Wow, this season just feeds into the natural human response of greed, doesn't it? See, Jesus said there's all kinds. I think we can fit most of them under two categories. 
that is a sin of commission. Or we're just not satisfied with what we have. We've got to have more. I mean, how big is your personal Christmas list this year? And how disappointed are you going to be if you don't get it all? You know, we want this, we want that, we want more. I just got to have this for Christmas. And every year, there, there's some crazy Christmas toy or toys out there that literally adults are fighting each other in the store over, beating each other, I mean physically accosting each other over this, some stupid toy. Why? Because of greed, see? I got to have that for my child because my child has to have that gift or they're not going to have the Christmas that they want. And so I don't care about your child. I don't care if you have to deal with the disappointment of your child. I'm getting it for my child and you're not stopping me. I, I mean, think about it. Here we are in this season of year and it's so typical for us to go out because we, we want to make sure that, that we just overdo it. We want to make sure people know how much we love them and how much we care. So we go out there and charge up credit cards to crazy levels that it'll take us years to pay off just over stuff that in a week, two, a month is going to be sitting in the corner, stuffed away in the closet. No one's going to care about it anymore. I don't know how many of you parents have had the experience that I had when my kids were growing up. We bought them all these gifts, and we'd go out and do all this and violate just what I'm talking to you about now. And, and, and all of a sudden, on Christmas morning, toys would be all over, but our kids are playing with the boxes. You know? Man, I could have gone to Kmart, wrapped up just a bunch of boxes, and you know, it would have been cheap. But it's how it goes, you know? We're killing ourselves. Greed. More. Gotta have it. Jesus said, no, you're not. Your identity is not in what you have. Your identity is not in what you give to even to, as presents to others. Your identity is not in just, just having the super fantastic materialistic Christmas of all time. That's not who you are. Jesus says, that's not who I made you. Now, I think the bigger sin, though, in greed is the sin of omission. Philip Itty, one of my brothers here at the church, one of the men at the church, sent me a, an article. It was a blog by, by a lady named Lysa Turkurst. And she wrote a blog that said, when Christmas feels chaotic, which is pretty much always right. But anyhow, she was going through the normal Christmas stuff and how her life was chaotic and she had to run with the kids and all their programs and she had to go do all the shopping and she had to do all this. Her husband owned a business and early on in the process, he stopped and he said, Hun, he said, we need to carve out a little bit of time in all this because I want to talk to you about one of my employees about maybe giving them some extra money. And she, yeah, yeah, okay, well, not right now, I got to go. And, she, boy, boy. and so several times over the leading up to Christmas Day, over the season, you know, he's come back to her and he said, Hun, I really got to talk to you because this is really on my heart and I want to talk to you about and, and she would just keep blowing by him in all the hustle and chaos of Christmas and she says finally she says then my husband said something else about not being able to wait to talk about the money needed to help his employee and I snapped back once again I don't want to help I don't want to hear about it I don't want to have another thing on my plate I don't want and really what we're saying is I don't care not immediately, because she's a believer. 
the Holy Spirit of God began to work. And she goes on to say, I was so caught up in the rush of superficial things in my world that I missed hearing the cries for help in someone else's world. God had been prompting me to listen, really listen to my husband, to stop and focus and give him just a few minutes, but I refused. I rushed past, and I acted like I was perfectly just doing so. See, see we, we, we get, we're, we're so much like Lysa. We, we get run in so many directions, and we're so, we're so consumed with, with getting all the presents and getting all the packages just right and making all the parties and, and, and do that. And there's people around us who are hungry. There are people around us that won't have Christmas this year. Proverbs 21, 13 says, If a man shuts his, eye, his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out. And not be answered. In other words, if we shut our hearts, if we shut our ears, if we shut our eyes to the needs of those around us, then at some point in time when we're the one in need, we're going to experience the same thing. What does Scripture say? Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Oh, listen, Jesus said today, he said, Don't get caught up. He said, watch out. Be careful. Don't let the greed, either the the desire to have more and the desire to give more material things away and the desire to put yourself in financial chaos and that peace now, that once all the gifts are open, we're sitting around and thinking about how much money we just spent. How am I going to pay for it? Or the fact that we didn't hear the cry of somebody who really needed help. Oh, this Christmas, maybe restoring, reclaiming the peace of Christmas for you and your family is to look outward to somebody else and his or her family and say, we're going to help them this Christmas. Third one is grudges. That's another thief of Christmas peace. Scripture is really clear about this, and we talk about this a lot here. Romans 12, verse 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, let me read that again. If it is possible, now there's room there because sometimes it isn't possible because of the response of the other parties. But it says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on who? You, as far as it depends on their willingness and their soft heart, no, as far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on me and my life, it says live at peace with everyone. Today, maybe a lot of us don't have peace at Christmas because we've got some broken relationships. We're holding some grudges. We, we, we don't want to give up on the thought of revenge for some hurt that somebody has inflicted on us. Jesus goes on to say, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Hey, here's the thing. One day, all accounts are going to be squared. Don't you kid yourself. 
Don't you kid yourself. We, we say, oh, he got away with, oh, she got away with, oh, I got away with. No one getting away with nothing. The Bible says that at the judgment, every careless word spoken will be brought into view. Nothing will be hidden. So when you think of somebody who has hurt you, somebody who has attacked you, God's saying this. He said, listen, you give that to me. You, you, you let me handle that. I, I saw what went on. I see what's going on. Don't you worry about it. I've got it under control. God says, here's, here's the truth. I will bring the amount of justice required. See, sometimes we don't know all the circumstances and we've exaggerated the circumstances and friends have helped us to exaggerate the circumstances and we got ourselves all worked up over something that really, if the truth be known, doesn't exist or was not intended that way or didn't even play out that way. But we got ourselves all worked up. God, God knows what really happened and so God knows what justice really needs to be brought into the situation. But don't kid yourself. What's God say? I will repay. Leave room for me. I can handle it. You can't. It'll drag you down. It'll rob your peace. It'll rob your joy. It'll cause you to bring harm to other relationships just because you're fantasizing. You become an angry, bitter person. I've shared the definition of bitterness with you before. It's like swallowing a bottle of poison hoping the other person dies. See, need to, need to get rid of it. So important to God. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verse 14, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's Jesus talking. That's God talking. That's God says, hey, listen, give it to me. I'll handle it. And if you don't give it to me, then you are sinning. And whenever you sin, then what happens? Our fellowship is broken. Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Maybe this Christmas to get your Christmas, to reclaim your Christmas peace. Maybe as we talked about the program last week, it's time to declare a truce. It's time to reach out one more time. And even if the other party is not responsive, then what we do is we don't own it anymore. We give it to God. And we say, God, I trust it in your hands. I'm not carrying it because it's too heavy for me. I'm not carrying it because it's taking me down. God, I'm giving it to you. Final thief of Christmas peace is guilt. Guilt is caused by a wrong or even a perceived wrong. David, again, one of my favorite Old Testament characters, writing and confessing to God about his own sin. In Psalm, the Old Testament book of Psalm, chapter 38, beginning in verse 1, says, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have pierced me, 
and your hand has come down upon me. Because of your wrath, there's no health in my body. My bones have no soundness because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I wonder, is that hitting somebody's button here today? Are you dealing with the guilt over some sin in your life that you've not brought back to the Lord? Do you feel like David felt, my, 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 my arrows have pierced me, God. Your, your wrath, your, your presence, the Holy Spirit just is piercing me. I've got no health in my bones. Maybe it's over something you've really done. Hey, newsflash, we all mess up. We all do. Maybe it's something that you perceived you've done. How many parents carry, carry around guilt over adult children who have wandered away from the family values and from godly values and they beat themselves up and they hold themselves responsible for that? Hey, listen, that can happen to any Christian parents. You, you, you can raise your children in church and you can raise them and you can read Bible stories to them when they're children and you, you can do everything in your power. But one day, Children grow up and become adults, and as adults, they choose their own values. See? 1 John 1.9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Maybe you're here today and you're a believer, and this Christmas, guilt has robbed your peace. Well, right now, the antidote is as close as a simple prayer to God of confession. Look how David ends it. David says in Psalm 32, verse 5, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And look what it says. And you forgave what? The guilt of my sin. You took that burden off of me. See, God's predisposition is not to judge us, is not to punish us. God's predisposition is to love us. I've tried to be a good parent, tried to be a good grandparent. And I know that my natural tendency has always been with my children to forgive them and love them when they've done wrong. Maybe they've had to been disciplined at times, but but it's always been done out of love. And I really did grow up to learn what my dad, mom always said, that this is going to hurt me more than you. Couldn't imagine it at the time. But then I began to look at life and relationship through the heart of a loving parent. That's God. Scripture even says, if you fathers, you know how to give a good gift to your children, just think how much more the perfect father knows how to give good gifts. Oh, listen, God loves you so much. And all he's looking from you, all he's looking for from you to give you back your peace this Christmas if guilt is the thief that has robbed it, is you turning back to him, turning your heart back to him in simple faith, and he will forgive you. Do you need to reclaim your Christmas peace? Well, you need to deal internally with these thieves 
that infiltrate every one of us at different times of life, and maybe you got multiple thieves going on in your life. But you need to, to confront them, and God will restore your peace. Psalm 85, 8 says, I will listen to what the Lord will say. He promises what? Peace. He promises what? Peace to his people. But look what it says. But let them not return to their folly. In other words, don't let them return to the thieves that stole their peace in the beginning. Let's bow our heads. Listen, the message this morning confronts the troubling in our life, but the news of it is good news. It's positive news. It's that God loves you more than those thieves in your lives. And today, God offers you a clean slate. Maybe today you're dealing with grief. Well, God knows it, and he loves you. Right now, give it to him. Talk to him about it right now. Maybe you're dealing with greed, either as a sin of, of commission you got, allowed yourself to get caught up in all this materialism of the season. Or maybe it's a sin of omission. and You've been so busy and running around so much and so preoccupied with your holiday schedule that you haven't been listening for the cries of help from other people around you. Maybe it's a grudge. And right now, you... you, you you need to get rid of that grudge. You need to make peace with it. You need to make peace with God and determine you're going to try to make peace with that other person if it's possible, as far as it depends on you. But maybe it's guilt. Probably most of us here today are believers. We've trusted Christ as our Savior. And so if we're dealing with guilt of sin, it's a matter of confessing it. And just like David said, if we confess it, we don't hide it, we bring it to the Lord, then he'll lift it off of us. But maybe there's a man or a woman here today who has a deeper guilt level, and that's the guilt of your sinfulness before God, period. See, every one of us are born as sinners. We're born into a world of sin, and our sin has alienated us from, the, from God eternally. Bible says in Revelation chapter 21, God will not allow any impure thing to enter his eternal kingdom. So that means anyone who has ever done anything, anyone who has ever thought anything impure cannot go to heaven. Now the problem is every one of us have done those things and there's no way we can take it back. We, we can't reverse time and, and, and have a do-over. And the truth is we've done those things multiple times. And so we have disqualified ourselves over and over and over again from eternal life with God. But that's what Christmas is all about. It's a rescue mission. God sent Jesus into the world to be a sacrifice for our sin. And he offers us forgiveness of the guilt of our sin if we'll put our faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, it's not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. No one's looking around, please, for just a moment. Maybe we have somebody here today that right now the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to your spirit about this matter of eternal forgiveness, about this matter of eternal life. 
this matter about receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. Well, no one's looking around just so I know whether the need is here or not. If that's you and you're not sure where you're going to spend eternity, you're not sure about your eternal relationship with God, and you'd like me to pray for you, would you just raise your hand? Say, Pastor Pete, I don't know. I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. Father, from the testimony here today, all of us have trusted Christ as Savior. And Lord, I, I, I do hope that's true. And if it's not, Lord, please allow any man, any woman who, who felt you speaking to them about this, this forgiveness of sin and eternal life to, to not leave the campus in that condition. Come and see me after the service. We'll get together privately and I can share with them your gift to us, that gift of Christmas, which is forgiveness. But Lord, I pray now for all these brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ here today. I pray for those who are dealing with one of these thieves of Christmas peace. Grief, bring comfort. Greed, bring resolution. Grudges, bring reconciliation. Or maybe it's guilt. Bring your forgiveness and restore, as you did with David, the peace and the joy of, of their salvation. Lord, help us this Christmas to enjoy a wonderful season and let us keep you, Jesus, at the center of the season in our lives, in our families' lives, and in everything we do. We honor you in Jesus' name, amen.